Alrighty, if you got a Bible, let's go to two places today. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 2 Samuel 19. 1 Timothy 6, 2 Samuel 19. You say, what on earth is the crossover, the connection, the intersection of these two? Well, we'll look at it. 2 Kings 19, 1 Timothy 6. I guess I'll start with the historical part of the illustration that I want to look at this morning. And that is in 2 Kings 19. We'll start reading in verse 31. Context is this. David has been in exile from all the attack and all the stuff that happened because of Absalom. The battle has ensued and Absalom has been killed. David has mourned excessively. Joab has, Joab has said, look, you're valuing the rebel more than the rest of us who risked our life. Uh, David gets up and he starts ruling again and they're restoring all the order. They're in the process of it. And he's on his way back. And as he's going back, the people that helped him on his way out one of them being a fellow named Barzillai, meet him. And so he's having these different conversations and all that. And in verse 31 of 2 Samuel 19, and Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rogelim and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. And so some of y'all would go, wait a minute, that's 80. He's very aged. Yeah, he was. He had aged a lot, evidently. And he had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Manaheim. For he was a very great man. When he says while he lay at Manaheim, he's talking about like laying low, like keeping his head down, hiding out. They were trying to figure out what Absalom was going to do next. It says, for he was a very great man, verse 33. And the king said unto Barzillai, come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. Now, picture for a moment what that means. It's not, Bar Barzillai, was a, he was a great man, he was an aged man. He had enough sustenance to bring in stuff and help David. So it wasn't that he needed a place or a meal. The picture is, is dining and living in the king's presence, in the king's palace. And he says, I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. It's a picture of fellowship. It's a picture of friendship, sharing. The meal, the table, as the Bible calls it, has always been a place of fellowship. That's why it tells you to be careful who you share a meal with. That's why so much business is done across a table of food and sometimes just coffee and etc. And of course, the world and drinking. A lot of life is conducted across the table. And so he offers that to him. And Barzillia said unto the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? He's not being negative, he's being realistic. I am this day fourscore years old, and can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should the servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king, and 
Why should the king recompense it me with such a reward? So to eat at the king's table was a big deal. In the presence of the king, and this is King David, and we know our Lord is called our king. We're going to look at it in 1 Timothy 6. Now, the Lord Jesus is not the king of this world right now. He is not. And so the promises of his kingship in the world itself at large, they're not something you're supposed to be grabbing and hanging on to and acting like he's going to conquer any government yet or any uh, election yet or whatever. But he said it was, it'd be a reward. Look at verse 37, please. Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again that I may die in mine own city, be buried by the grave of my father and my mother, but behold, thy servant Chimam. Now it's his servant and he's presenting him to become David's servant. But behold, thy servant Chimam, let him go over with my lord the king and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. And the king answered, Chimam shall go over with me and I will do to him that which shall seem good unto thee. And whatsoever thou shalt require me, that will I do for thee. And all the people went over, etc. And so this fellow Chimam becomes a servant of David. And we find him, for example, in verse 40, the king went on to Gilgal, and Chimam went on with him, and all the people of Judah conducted the king, and also half the people of Israel. And so in our way of introduction, come over to, uh, if you would, to First Timothy. But in our way of introduction, keep in mind that here's a faithful servant, and he gets this second blessing, you might say, or this further blessing because of having been faithful to Barzillai. And so the picture I want to do, this is a devotional thing, is in the service of the king in the service of the king. Now, I don't know if you've done much reading, and I hope you've done a, a, a lot of nonfiction reading, and there are some things that are fictional that are, you know, they can be edifying because of the person who wrote them and the basis of it. But historical reading is good if it's just plain old history, if it's not twisted and turned and, and biased, either direction biased. Picture this term in the service of the king. I think of soldiers. I think of those who faithfully have served a good king. Read with me in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, beginning verse 11 down to verse 16. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. All three of those are, are words describing the supreme office. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. 
whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. And may I say, just put a little side comment in here. Don't, don't become one of those who has to try to dissect the Bible and miss the beauty and the poeticness of the way God had his people, his men, write. Holy man of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Don't diminish that. He, the, don't try to dissect his sentences. I love it where he says, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. You don't have to dissect that. You don't have to go into white light and dark light and all that. Get the picture. God is so bright. You can't dwell there without your glorified body and your glorified spirit. <clears throat> but I want to bring a quick little devotion here that just stirred my heart on this idea of in the service of the king. And that would include being, you know, in the king's presence, in the king's palace. And by way of introduction, I want to remind us that life is labor. It was meant to be. We go forth unto our labor from the dawn till the setting sun. And of course, someone has said man may work from dawn till setting sun, but woman's work is never done. Now, it's possible a woman wrote that. It's possible, though, that some man has helped a woman live it out and fulfill it while he didn't, while he <laughs> cut his uh, labor off at sundown. But the point is, life is labor. Life is little things more than big things. Life is just little things. Little things, a fellow has said, make a big difference. Life is level. It's, life isn't, everyday life isn't a roller coaster ride and thrills and, 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 and adrenaline. Life is level. And life is lived day by day. This is just introduction. So the culture and the character and the center of our focus of our life. When something is in focus, it's the center that's focused. Ever seen a photograph where, you know, the, the center of it is focused and the other stuff's just a little blurry? That's because they got the, uh, the aperture focused on the subject in the middle. So our culture and our character and our focus is on the king. Here in 1 Timothy, for example, he said in verse 17, Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So he is not the king of this world, people, but he is our king. And he is not going to deal with this world as king yet, but he's our king now. So here's Barzillai, he's 80, and someone, it says he's very aged. Oh my, someone might say. Well, he is 10 years past 70. <clears throat> and Ecclesiastes, you know, tells us what life is like. And David offers him a special blessing, but Barzillai would go shortly. He would go. He'd go home. He'd cross the river, as we say. So he takes Chimam, and he wants him to get the blessing. I thought of as I read that, this verse. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. Chimam was obviously a very special servant. Perhaps that verse in Proverbs was fulfilled in Chimam's life. He had come up and been part of a servant family and and to Barzillai, he was, he was like a son because he wanted him to inherit a very special place of service. 
And so what if like labor and these little things and the level everyday life, it, it, what if we lived it daily as in the presence, in the court of, in the service of the king? Three things, servants of the king. Barzillai is not a king. Servants in your Bible are not like slaves. Everyone tries to go to the Greek and all this stuff. That's ridiculous. Can a servant be a slave? Yeah, but the picture of a servant, listen, the servant, you, you carried it, it carries a, a much deeper picture. You know what the servant has? He has food. He has clothing. He has shelter. He has a purpose. The master. And if we're not careful, what we forget is that servant, and, and by Webster's, it says they, you attend to menial offices. It's all about your mindset. You see, he said in 1 Timothy here, chapter 6 that we read, look, look down with me or up, whatever, verse 8, and having food and raiment, let us be there with what? Content. We need the mindset of servants. Here, for example, in the, my part of the Western world, the United States of America, that's the last thing this world wants you to think of is as your servant of Jesus Christ. The last thing the world wants is for you to be content with food and raiment. How are they going to sell you stuff? How are they going to make merchandise of you? How are they going to keep commerce going if you become content with food and raiment? I don't mean you don't ever want something stuff, but have you ever thought that the world is trying to get people obsessed with recreation and hobby. The world at large wants you to have a four-day work week so you'll spend as much as possible at whatever your hobby or getaway is, whether it's you know going to the water, whether it's going to the mountains, whether it's going to the ski fields, whether it's going fishing and hunting or whatever. So that's what the world wants. Servants of the king. You know, if you turn a couple pages over to 2 Timothy chapter 4, a passage that for me has truly helped me define my purpose in life and I visit it regularly, kind of daily, to be honest with you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, But watch thou, mark these four things, please. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So watch thou in all things. That's a shepherd. That's what shepherds do. They watch. They're always aware. Endure afflictions. That's what soldiers do. 2 Timothy 2. Do the work of an evangelist. That's a soul winner. So you've got a shepherd and a soldier and a soul winner. Make full proof of thy ministry. That's a steward. When I think of in the service of the king, I want to be in, I am in the, I am in the service of the king. When I think of some of those old things like you read about the knights and all that that would serve unto death, that's who we are. You read the Old Testament, that's what they would do around the king, David. Servants of the king, secondly, sustained by the king. In our text, in our passage, that's what God used David to do, is to <coughs> feed them sustained by the king. So as servants of the king, in the service of the king, having food and raiment, we're content. We're content to do our labor, to do those little things 
Uh, we're content to live that level everyday life. We're content to live day by day because we're in the service of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the blessed and only potentate, Jesus Christ. He's my King. Nothing could be too much in the service of the King. In the service <laughs> of the King. In his court, in his service, as a soldier, as a shepherd, as a soul winner, and as a steward. And thirdly, it's just a devotion, satisfied with the king. You know, we read this passage of scripture. We're satisfied. He's not the king of the earth yet, but I don't really care. The hymn says, king of my heart, I crown thee now, thine shall the glory be. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. When I survey thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. To us, he is now. He is our king. You see, the world wants us to, to think that we're supposed to serve because it feels so good. I saw a clip of a pastor's wife, a huge church there down there in Texas saying that you need to remember that when you do something for God, you're, he actually wants you to believe you're doing it for yourself because it brings him pleasure when you do something for yourself. That is the opposite, the opposite, the opposite of what Jesus Christ taught. It is not okay to get results any way you can. It is never right to do the wrong thing in order to get a chance to do right. What would your mindset be if, instead of serving our bodies and our homes and our families, see, it doesn't mean we don't serve them, but instead of serving them, we serve in his presence daily. And then as a result of that, we do what we do for others. You know, in Nehemiah, he was in the presence of, of that king constantly, and it said that he had never been in the presence of the king burdened before, sad. And then the king noticed it. And then what the king did was he said, what's going on? And so he shared that burden. Can I ask you, do you bear other people's burdens? Galatians 6 verse 1, bear you one another's burdens. When you can go to the Lord and it's a burden that means as much to you as if it was you, but it's for someone else, then we're beginning to understand in the service of the king. It says in Psalm 100, verse 2, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Can you imagine if we would serve in the presence of the King, what it would do? Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. Psalm 95, 2. And all I would say today as this quick devotion is, in the service of the King, let us view ourselves as, as Jim did, that we got in on this because of someone else. We got in because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, though, we get to not just serve, but we get to serve in the presence of the King. And we get to serve that role of shepherds in people's life, helpers, protectors, and soldiers for Jesus Christ, soul winners of souls, and stewards of God's Word. Dear Lord, 
right upon our hearts how amazing it is that we get to serve Thee in Your presence. And this world doesn't know You, Lord Jesus, but we know who You are. And may we live that way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God be with you.